We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play tune in stitcher or spotify and of course you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Maggie Loney, and Mr. Andrew Mertig. It's a Friday show. It's good to be back with both of you guys. How you doing? Yeah, it's great to be back. It it feels like football season in Wisconsin right now. Uh, it, it, it might be mid-April and almost the draft, but it feels a little bit like playoff football time. So uh, that has not been super enjoyable, but uh, how are you doing, Maggie? If I have to pick up one more stick in my yard from a windstorm, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe that we've done all this draft study and then in two weeks, the night we wait for all year will be here and none of our favorite prospects will go to Green Bay and we'll just have to start over again. Absolutely. There's a tradition, uh, not nothing like not giving <laughs> players that you want to happens every single year. But we've been doing plenty of waiting for the draft to roll around. But that doesn't mean that the Packers have completely given up on free agency as a way by which they can improve this roster. In the meantime, we got news today that wide receiver Sammy Watkins is signing a deal with the Packers. It's a one-year deal worth up to $4 million. We had heard some rumblings from Reddit, of all places, for a couple days that this may be something that was going to happen, but now we know that it is, in fact, true. Green Bay is signing Sammy Watkins, so got to start here, guys. What are your thoughts on the Watkins signing? Obviously, important to set expectations, right? Not everybody turns into Devontae Campbell or Rasul Douglas, but... This is a signing in that same vein to me. Watkins has a super high draft pedigree. He has experience working with some top-notch quarterback, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. At worst, he's a true deep threat who's off injured. And I don't know if that description is much worse than what you already had in MVS. So I think that's the floor. Um, And his ceiling is really a, a good number two wide receiver, or maybe a below average number one. He hasn't really shown that consistency since his rookie season with Buffalo, but this seems like a no brainer, really high upside, very low risk kind of move. Yeah, I feel a lot better about Sammy being brought in than I would probably someone like Julio or even AJ Green. Those guys have obviously had 
incredible careers, but it's pretty clear that they're pretty much done. They're approaching the end, and H has certainly caught up with them the last couple of years. Watkins is only 28 years old, so if he can stay healthy, there is a little bit more upside here. I also think that the coaching staff connection is really interesting. Wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator Jason Vrabel knows Watkins from his days in Buffalo, and Coach Fleur was the OC with the Rams when Sammy was out there in L.A. So uh, it's easy to see how the staff would have quickly identified Watkins as someone that they were interested in with all of that familiarity. Yeah, when I saw that he was coming to Green Bay for a visit, I wasn't really sure how to feel about it, um, given that podfather Andy Herman tweeted out that PFF had reported that the Watkins market was somewhere around $5.5 for one year. That just felt really rich to me, but hearing that the Packers got him for one year up to $4 million made me feel a lot better about the signing since he hasn't really, I mean, he hasn't played a full season since his rookie deal when he played, or his rookie year when he played all 16 games. So, and he's hovered kind of right around 400 yards the last couple of years. So I think that he's absolutely not like the long-term answer at the wide receiver position, but you know, and Green Bay still needs to draft the future at that position. But I do like him and the upside that he brings to the room. And I'll be excited to see the kind of connection that he can make with Rodgers right away. Yeah, it is going to be really interesting to watch that. I think we kind of sort of expected maybe some kind of a veteran addition to take place, maybe before or after the draft. We now have that. Obviously, Packers will sprinkle in those rookies and we're going to talk more and more about that as we get closer and closer to the draft but um, as you know in the weeks leading up to the draft the Packaday podcast is committed to helping our listeners get a flyover of as many of these prospects as possible and so uh, we want to talk about how they may or may not fit the Packers and so we're going to continue that today with a discussion not about wide receivers but about safeties in this draft class and this is a really good class of safeties and so we're going to focus our attention on the players most likely to get drafted on days one and two but then we'll also sprinkle in a couple sleepers that you should keep your eyes on as well for those later rounds in the draft but uh, like I said this is a great class I don't think it's completely unrealistic to think that we could have four of these guys we're going to talk about get drafted in the first round on Thursday night Um, but probably at least three of them will But there is one prospect that really stands above the rest. He's almost unanimously safety one, no matter who you talk to. So, uh, Maggie, why don't you get us started right here at the top? Yeah, so of course you're talking about Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. He's really just one of those players that truly checks every single box. I've seen him slipping all the way to like the mid-teens, high-teens in a few recent mock drafts, and I just don't see a world where that happens. He's easily a top-five player talent-wise in the draft, and to steal an Andrew Mertig phrase, he is a rare uh-huh. unicorn at the position. He's 6'4", 220, and he just has incredible size to play safety. Or even hybrid inside linebacker, I think he could do kind of the Isaiah Simmons job, maybe better than Isaiah Simmons. So he can <laughs> he can line up anywhere in your secondary, and he's just an imposing force over the middle of the defense, which is needed today to guard against you know the NFL's best tight ends. And he just he moves really well for being so large, and he's also a willing tackler. It's fun when you run his RAS numbers at linebacker because his elite 9.33 at safety moves all the way up to 9.59 when you switch him to inside linebacker. So he's that kind of impact player that would be an immediate starter and go on to have a very long, successful NFL career. He's also only 21, which is a huge bonus. So having that fifth-year option and being able to extend him when he's still only 26 will make an NFL team very happy. But uh, before you talk about your guy, Andrew, tell us where you have Hamilton in your rankings um, on your big board and what you love about him. 
Yeah, I know you're setting me up here. Uh, and that is because <laughs> Kyle Hamilton is my overall number one player in this draft class. Uh, he, To me, he's an elite prospect in every sense of the word. Physical freak, long, fast, strong, quick. He, He's also got some of the best instincts you're going to see on tape. He knifes uh, to the ball in the run game and is really a dominant tackler tackler uh, he covers ground and deep coverage and makes really nice plays on the ball he just never seems to panic when he's in coverage he reads the offense incredibly well and just makes play after play uh, you can definitely line him up in man but I think he's a better chess piece than that rotating in the box and dropping deep and blitzing off the edge and the 40 time at the combine might be a concern to some people but he plays really really fast on tape and I don't foresee that being an issue um, I would not ask him to play single high safety consistently that's probably the one place where he's not like you know the the absolute best safety prospect of all time in that he he maybe do, you, you don't want him to do that full time but um, I, I think you're going to see elite level safety who really fits the modern NFL. And it's funny because some of the things were, were reminding me a little bit. This is a really long callback. Um, but when Brian Urlacher was coming out, he was a safety and they kind of turned him into a linebacker. Now, granted, Urlacher was 254. So, I mean, that <laughs> 35 pounds is is a pretty big difference. But, I mean, there's some of that like instinct and um, you, you're just not going to be able to teach it. And, and I think from day one, he's somebody that the other team needs to know where he is on every play. And he, if if he goes to a team with a really good defensive coordinator, they're going to use him creatively and have him just absolutely all over the place wreaking havoc on opposing offenses. Um, so, I yes, I do, in fact, love <laughs> Kyle Hamilton. Um, so my player is actually Daxton Hill, uh, who is a little bit of a different kind of prospect. Daxton Hill uh, is six feet tall, 198 pounds, but he is a dynamic athlete at safety. Uh, smaller, which sometimes affects his ability to tackle, but he definitely puts everything into getting guys on the ground. He's super physical. You love the attitude he plays with. He just doesn't have that like physical freak length that Kyle Hamilton does. Uh, he plays deep zones really well, super instinctual as last line of defense, really good ball skills. But, you know, you'd like to see a little bit more production. I think you could say that about a lot of college players, though. Um, certainly can drop down in, the, in and play in the slot. Michigan used him in the box at times, but given his size, I'd like to see that limited a little bit more in the pros, just as like that true linebacker kind of safety. But he's a Swiss Army knife, uh, Army knife uh, who has electric speed. My personal rankings, I have him as safety, too. And overall player number 12, which I know is a little rich for some people, but there are whispers that some NFL teams think he can line up as an outside cornerback. And I'd be maybe a little leery of that at first, but I, I think that gives you a ton of confidence that when you have a tight end or a running back that goes out into motion, that he's not going to have any problems covering them one-on-one -on, -one on the outside. Now, I, I've admitted in the past, I do not love player comps, right? And this is fresh coming off the Brian Urlacher mention, of course. Um, <laughs> and then to just really double down on my hypocrisy here, I especially do not like comparing draft prospects to NFL Hall of Famers. Oops twice in one show, uh, but I want to try this one for size. The comp that popped into my head for Daxton is Rod Woodson. Now, Woodson started out as an outside corner and then turned into a really great safety later in his career as he he slowed a little bit. But I think Hill has those kind of skills, that he can just be an impact all over the place. He can line him up wherever you need to, given that possible matchup, and, and he can make a big, big impact. So, yeah, I like, I like Daxton Hill quite a bit. 
It certainly sounds that way. Rod Woodson is high praise, but you've ruined me a little bit, Andrew, because I hadn't watched safeties uh, when your rankings first came out. And so I went in, you know, as I'm a I'm a lukewarm Michigan fan. And so I had some some positive thoughts towards Daxon Hill. And then, man, you look at the tape and I knew where you had him. And it, it all comes together. I mean, he is a really fun player. And I think the versatility for the modern NFL is is really fun. And we know that Brian Gutekinds has had his eyes on some of these versatile safeties in the past. And it hasn't come to be. I kind of wonder if he's available, if he's a guy that Packers fans should be prepared uh, to see in green and gold, if that were possible. But a uh, very good football player. Uh, but I'm going to talk about another guy here that I think a lot of us are pretty high on. And that's Jaquan Brisker, the Penn State safety uh, Brisker is six foot one, 199 pounds, and I really like digging into Brisker for this show. Uh, he's a really good athlete who is solid in coverage and has enough range to play as one of your deep safeties, but he's more than willing to come up and play the run too. So you love that. Uh, he does a really nice job of staying off of blocks with his quickness and he fearless football. And I feel like Brisker is just a very well-rounded safety prospect. He's solid everywhere. I mentioned that he's a good athlete, but I'm, that might be underselling it a little bit. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list, so this is a pretty special guy. Uh, he has a 9.13 RAS with really nice agility numbers to boot. But for me, I think that there are a lot of intangibles that make up who Brisker is and why he's going to find success in the league. His coaches and his teammates talk about the kind of leader that he is, both on and off the football field. He's the guy who sets the standard for this Penn State uh, team and his teammates and the work ethic that they put in. And he provides, uh, you know, he's the guy who really prides himself on how well he understands the defense and the game of football. So this is a guy that I'm really excited to watch grow as he gets into the league. This is a player who didn't commit a single penalty the past two seasons, which is pretty incredible seeing how involved he was um, for his own football team. You got to love how he can line up all over the defense and give that kind of versatility. It gets you excited about how he's going to play in the modern NFL. And what I think you like most is that he's gotten better every single season. And as good as he is, there's reason to think that he is still that ascending player. Now, he is a 23-year-old player. He'll be 23 his rookie year. So you do wish he were just a little bit younger. And that may be a barrier for a team like the Packers, who do prefer those younger players. Uh, but if I'm a, if I'm betting on a player who's going to be product, productive for an NFL team for the next 10 years, Brisker does feel like a very safe bet. Yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I'm part of the Brisker Hive. Um, nothing will ever compare <laughs> to the Adebo Hive that we had <laughs> last year, but I do love him quite a bit. Um, I would have him right up there, you know, as safety three probably in this class. Not sure the Packers would go for him, like you said, with his age, but really, really love him as a prospect, and he's so versatile. But I get to talk about Lewis Seen from Georgia, and the first thing that comes up when you watch him is his physicality. He is a fun player he's just super aggressive downhill defender and he's excellent against the run he really also likes to hit people which is a trait that i personally relish in my safety prospects he's 6'1 200 pounds and he has a 9.92 ras with elite speed and great explosion he had an 11 foot broad jump which is just it's like two and a fifth me's which is wild to think about but he, he had only two interceptions in his collegiate career but he had nine passes defensed and 73 tackles in 2021 so he just flies around he's everywhere on the defense 
He's super explosive, like I said, and really strong as a run defender. Makes his best plays kind of attacking the ball carrier and keeping everything in front of him. Um, he can still hold up in coverage, and he has a nice football IQ plus, you know, that makeup speed if he does get beat. But he's definitely better suited to kind of keep the action in front of him at the next level. Um, he's just he's nasty. You know, he's got that hard hitting mentality that you want from the guys in your secondary. And I think he could easily join a roster and be a day one impact kind of starter in the NFL. And I don't know if it's the Georgia connection, uh, but he feels very Stokes esque to me and that you might want to give him a little bit of time to develop. But I think if he does get pressed into starting right away, he's not going to give you the job back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, a lot of exciting safeties. And and when Kyle said potentially four could go in the first round, I sort of made a face. I don't know if he even caught that. Said four. <laughs> that that that's a lot. But like really, you look at these players, there is the possibility that they sneak into the end of round one or possibly even early round two. And then there there's a fifth guy, and that is Jalen Petrie from Baylor. Um, I am a little bit lower on him, so I don't know that I'm necessarily the person that should be <laughs> giving our <laughs> preview of Petrie, but um he is a really athletic safety who plays, in my opinion, the run a little bit better than the past. He's explosive in hitting holes and getting the runner to the ground so far he has shown better coverage skills underneath than over the top so he looks like he has really good speed and he he seems like a very good functional athlete but i don't necessarily see that in center field sometimes that's an experience and thing sometimes is that it's it's more of a instinctual thing um but you know if he can show that he's a bit more rangy i think it would really help give the confidence to push him up the board um, because it does a lot of other things well so if a team sees that as a possible projection that he could be a center fielder and with his athleticism i think that is a distinct possibility he could go really high and so i had him at safety five and 77th player overall but i do think he's probably going to go in mid to late round two um because i think that that upside is going to be really really intriguing to, to some teams yeah, I think we've talked about a lot of really well-rounded safeties up to this point, right? And I think like Brisker and and uh, Scene give you a lot in both areas of defending the pass and defending the run. And when I looked at Petrie, I felt a little bit more like it's a little bit more segmented. You know what he's going to give you against the run, and you love it. Like I was really excited looking at that part of his game. But you're just a little bit nervous about some of the stiffness and some of the coverage limitations. So I don't think we saw him completely different. I 
think I may like him a little bit more than you, but I think that it's less of a clean projection because of the kind of player he is. Uh, but exciting against the run, and you know someone like Coach Barry would would eat that up. But uh, we're going to move on to Nick Cross from Maryland, and uh, Cross is six foot even and 212 pounds and he's someone who kind of naturally fits the mold of a free safety um, even though safeties are getting a little bit more interchangeable in the NFL but Cross is another great athlete we just keep talking about these guys he's a 9.87 RAS he has 4.3 speed and he's a playmaker who has a knack for finding the football he led Maryland in interceptions all three years that he was there so you absolutely love that but he also is someone who can be kind of caught taking the cheese on plays and be manipulated by good quarterbacks as well. So uh, if there's one thing that you'd want to see improvement from Cross on when he enters the league, it is his consistency because the flashes are there in so many different areas, but they just aren't present consistently. Uh, But what gives you some optimism that he'll figure it out when he gets to the league is that he has shown that growth every year across his college career. And this is a big factor, by the way, He's only a baby. He won't turn tw- <laughs> he's won't turn 21 years old until halfway through his rookie season. So he's not even like you, you think of a 21 year old. That's a young prospect. This guy doesn't even turn 21 until halfway through the season. So lots of reasons to think that there's growth ahead for this guy. Sometimes when you think of that free safety type of prospect, you assume that you're going to give up some of that physicality. But Cross is not afraid to bring it as a tackler. And he has some nice hits on tape as well. So uh, he's an impact special teams contributor in college. And you'd think that that would translate really nicely. So there's a lot of growth ahead. There's no doubt that this is a player who's going to have to get better and more consistent. But his age and athletic profile do make you think that it's possible for him to hit that ceiling. And if he does, that would make him a pretty special player. But all these guys that we've talked about so far are expected to go relatively early in this draft. But guys, I'm really curious if you guys have anybody else on your radar that you maybe like for the Packers or maybe you just kind of like in general from this safety group that may be available a little bit later in the draft. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about my guy in a second, but I just something you said just triggered me to look. And of the top 10 safeties that I have ranked, nine of the 10 have an 8.5 RAS score or above. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild. Really yeah. dynamic athletes in this class. And honestly, uh, there's three three of those nine. So six that are above nine. Um, that That's obviously unheard of. That, yeah. that actually shouldn't be by the law of averages. So, um, yeah, we're talking about a super athletic group. And one of those is Brian Cook, the safety from Cincinnati, who I, I do think could be a really good sleeper in this class. Now, if you remember back to last year, off season, um, my two of my draft crushes included two Cincinnati safeties, James Wiggins and Derek Forrest, uh, who were both drafted, and that was one of the reasons why Cook had not started in his career. Uh, so he only had this past year of starting experience. He's a really good player against the run. He has the athletic tools to develop against the pass. He played some single high, um, and I. I did have a question mark. Does he have that kind of speed? Because I wanted to see what his testing was. And we don't actually have any testing scores on him. So um, I don't know that I have an answer to that question. But he, at a minimum, should be a really good special teamer with room to develop into a good second or third safety. 
I have him as safety seven, overall 98. I think Cook is someone I would love to see the Packers take a swing at on day three. He's 6'1", 207, and I absolutely saw the physical tools on tape to be somebody that has a ton of upside as a developmental prospect. So I think from a, a round three kind of player, that's really all you're you're looking for. Yeah, I want to talk about Tyson Anderson out of Toledo. To me, he's maybe a late day two, early day three kind of guy. Um, he's 6'2", 210 pounds, so he's got great size to be kind of a hybrid safety or inside linebacker for Joe Barry's defense. Toledo used him as like a big nickel in the slot primarily, but he has the versatility to also play deep where he can play in the box, which is great. He's fast. He ran a 4.36.40, which it sounds like all of the safeties did in this class. So even if he can't diagnose a play right away, he's got really good makeup speed, and he's excellent downhill as an attacker. He tested well, had one of those really elite rafts at a 9.49 with great size and elite speed. But one of the things I really like about him is that he has over 800 special team snaps in his collegiate career, which is huge for you know rebuilding this Basaccia unit. He'll probably have his most immediate impact there on special teams, but I do like his size versatility and what he could bring as a depth piece to the safety room. You could also ask him to put some weight on, you know, and kind of look at inside linebacker. He's got the frame to do that, but he's definitely got the speed to be a sideline to sideline kind of guy if they wanted to use him in the middle of the defense. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the Packers value these guys. We talked about the RAS scores. It certainly seems like a lot of these guys are right up Brian Gutekind's alley. And so it'll be interesting to see when and where they pull the trigger on any of these guys. I'm not sure that safety is necessarily a sexy position. I think it's becoming a more respected position. And I think the Packers have shown that they really value it. Uh, but I'm not sure that the safety group for 2022 has really gotten as much buzz as it really deserves it's in the media and on draft coverage, just because maybe it's safeties. I don't know. Uh, if you've been listening to Fridays on the Packaday podcast for very long, you know that we are big fans of the Draft Network. And Joe Marino joins us as a guest at least once a year. We love TDN content. Uh, but I was listening to Joe's Draft Dudes podcast a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about the safety class. And Trayvon Merrick was kind of the consensus top safety in last year's class. And it was interesting that Joe and his co-host Kyle were making the argument that Merrick would have been safety four in this year's class behind Hamilton, Hill, and scene. And that really Brisker is kind of right there in the mix with Merrick as a prospect. So this is a great safety class by comparison with last year, but just overall in general. So it's likely that Green Bay will have a chance to get a good one if they so desire. So I guess the question for you guys is how bad does Green Bay actually want one and need one? Yeah, I don't know if shocked is the right word for me, but I would feel honestly pretty surprised overall if the Packers didn't at least take a safety in the first three rounds, given all the capital that they have to spend. It's possible, you know, we still see an Adrian Amos extension. I know he's kind of in the pipeline with Jair Alexander, but right now he's only locked up for the 2022 season. Darnell Savage, again, has his fifth-year option, but we don't know how the Packers feel about him long-term quite yet. You know, it sounds like there's a lot of things or a lot of promising things being said about him in the room, which I know one of you guys is going to mention. But yeah, regardless of what happens, you know, this year with the tandem of Amos and Savage, they at least need a quality third safety that, you know, either for nickel and dime usage and Joe Barry's defense, or just, you know, for insurance in case one of the starters, knock on wood, who's been really healthy, has to miss, miss any time with injury. 
Yeah, and I think that last point you made is also really important. Besides just replacing Amos and Savage potentially after the season, that third safety is such a big role on this team. And the Packers could definitely use a marked upgrade from Will Redman. I, I even floated the idea that the Packers could trade their third round pick to move up from 22 to 18, or they could maybe move the second um, of the second round picks that they have to move all the way up to 15 if Kyle Hamilton had slid to the teens. Now, I certainly don't think that's going to happen, both that he's going to slide that far and that the Packers would be willing to trade up for a safety. But a boy can dream, can he? Uh, <laughs> I, I would I would love for Daxon Hill to be the guy since I have him at number 12 overall. I, I would sprint the card to the podium at 22, but I, I do wonder if some other team falls in love with him before the Packers pick, like perhaps the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a position that has to be addressed. And honestly, we may see them take someone in the first few rounds, like Maggie was saying, and then come back and and later in the draft, draft another one because they need the depth and the special teams value can be really high for safeties later in the, uh, well, actually for both, right? Because your, your third and fourth safety is probably going to be playing a bunch of special teams. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, special teams factor is going to be big in these evaluations and how you're going to help out in that role. But earlier this week, it was really interesting to listen uh, to Packers safeties coach Ryan Downard talk about these safeties, but specifically talk about Darnell Savage. He said that he believes that Savage has the ability to be an elite player in this league still. And he talked about how they may use Savage a little bit more creatively this year. And it's interesting because the Joe Barry scheme asked so much from the safeties as tacklers and players who can come up and play the run when they present those light boxes. And that's not Savage's greatest strength. But I'm not sure that his greatest strength is matched up in the slot, though, either in, in man-to-man defense. But with the clip of Coach Downard saying that the Packers believe that Savage can be an elite player, it was making its way around Twitter. And several Packers players, including Rasul Douglas and Adrian Amos, retweeted that with their own thoughts and encouragement uh, to Darnell Savage. So it's clear that this team thinks really highly of Darnell and his potential. It's just going to be really interesting to see how they use Savage going forward. What's interesting kind of in contrast is while Savage's greatest strength may not be coming down to fit the run, this draft class is full of those guys. We've just talked about a lot of them. Uh, Lewis Seen, Jaquan Brisker. Um, they live for that stuff. And Jalen Petrie, we talked about his limitations, but he's a stud as a tackler. So maybe we do see the Packers add someone who can play a more traditional safety spot and have Darnell play a little bit more of a role as that nickel star defender. I don't know, but it's going to be really fun to see how they put all the pieces together and how they build the safety position for the future. Yeah, and I think this maybe wasn't a position that we identified as one of like incredible need coming into this draft. But now that the Packers have additional draft capital, I, I do think um, that you know both of you are, are spot on. That that is something the Packers could address uh, very early in the draft, and we only have a couple weeks to wait. So that is incredibly exciting, and I I know uh, it'll be a blur, and all of a sudden it'll be draft night and the three of us are going to have to depend defend whatever the Packers decide to do. <laughs> Regardless. Uh, <laughs> but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Maggie on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can find Kyle at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Murdick. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star review. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. Next week we'll be back with more draft coverage. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Go, hey, go!
Thank you.